Here comes Dave Baker with the show Talking about paper publications you should know Authors and photographers that are fresh on the scene Don't be getting twisted Twisted It's pronounced zing Zing, zing, zing 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 I like this dog bed. Who brings a dog up here? Is it everybody? Is it a Camille dog well, bed? Anytime anyone brings a dog, they usually don't like sleeping on there. But Katie, <laughs> dog does like sleeping. Oh, on there. that's cute. I bring my dog. I don't have a dog. Yeah, we don't, don't have a dog either. We have a cool cat. She hates dogs. She's not into it. What's your cat's name? Her name's Gilda, but we call her Gilly. Mm. Is Gilda Radner or just exactly? Because yeah. You you sniffed it. Yeah, yeah, we we have this tradition of naming cats after uh, favorite comedians. Oh. Our past cat was Stanley, named after Stan Freeberg. Mm. He was cute. Classic comedy cats. Yeah, classic <laughs> comedy. <laughs> the triple C. <laughs> oh, that would be a good calendar. Yeah, where it's classic just comedy like, cats. They're all dressed up as famous comedians. Uh, yes. So it's like Robin Williams' 1970s cat with like yeah. little rainbow suspenders. Yeah, yeah. A little, uh, yeah. Eddie Murphy's Raw. <laughs> Dude, I love it. I want it's that so little, badly. Little red leather cat. suit. Red leather jacket. It's a good call. I'm in. I'm Call whoever did it for Keanu and uh, <laughs> tell him we've got a new You've idea. You've got my money. Yeah. Take it. Take oh, it. Shit, we've, we've come up with so many good ideas together. <laughs> Just in the last like 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. I know. That's what we do here. An idea factory. Idea That's factory. Magic factory. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, should we record it? Yeah. A, a yeah. Uh, usually, this podcast? is probably all going to be in the episode. Usually, oh, great. we just kind of start when people roll in. Oh, and shit, are we recording? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a funny thing. Yeah. Every, you know, here's the thing. Some podcasts do that and some podcasts don't. Right. So you never know. <laughs> like you always that's have the to fun. Assume, you should always assume that as soon as you're talking to the host that you are being recorded. Yeah. Well, it's a also, comedy police state. We've all grown up under uh, you know, Presidente Bush. We that's should all true. just assume that people are listening constantly. Right. El Jefe. El Jefe, yeah. Oh. And we're probably gonna get more of that under the new guy. Hey! hey. We don't have to talk about that. Oh, Um, thank God. (laughs) Let's make this the one place where we don't talk about that. This is a sanctuary. This is a safe Uh, space. So I feel like everybody knows who I am, but who am I joined by today? (laughs) Who knows? Some goofballs. (laughs) (laughs) You don't want to know these people. Uh, So I'm Amanda Meadows. I'm Jeffrey Golden. We're the co-publishers of The Devastator. We make comedy zines yes. featuring uh, authors from The Daily Show, The Onion, Adult Swim, Marvel Comics. We all get together to make funny books. Yeah, That's our yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. That's what yeah. we do. And how how do we know each other? I mean, mm. I, did I, I met you guys through conventions, conventions? right? Yeah. yeah, like Melt. Con I folk. think Zine Melt via... Uh, Aristotle, our brave producer, and uh, yeah, and just like zines, meltdown. I feel like I see con- you guys conventions, everywhere. everything. Yeah, yeah. We see you everywhere. You do like a hundred shows a year. You know, we tell. Well, okay, so we'll we'll be having a conversation yeah. with someone, and they'll ask about our convention schedule, and we'll tell them that we do probably about fourteen or fifteen events per year, mm-hmm. and they'll be like, "Oh my god, like how could you possibly survive?" <laughs> and then I think of you right. like posting on the the Facebook group about conventions like every week. I went to this con, I went to that con, and I think how, like, oh, how do you do how it? Many, how many events did you go to this year? 
Uh, this year, I think it was in the 30s. Yeah, like twice as many as wow. like, we do. 32, I think, maybe. Some, somewhere 35, maybe somewhere in there. That is, um, brave. It is impressive. Yeah, brave. It is, you have to have some stamina. Well, I think it's funny. Nicole and I were talking about this today where we just got into C2E2. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and we were both like, okay, maybe we're not going to do Every show <laughs> this year. Yeah, once you start having to get on planes. Yeah, or even if like, it was uh. like, even if it just went down to twenty shows, yeah. but those shows were good shows, right? Yeah. As opposed to, oh my god, we did so yeah. many fucking awful shows this year. Yeah, yeah I, I think every t- creator yeah, gets true. that. They have that. We face. did that. We've done that. Yeah, we we've, were we've like, done I'll do literally anything that'll have me. I mean, certainly yeah. when you when we were starting out, like we would do. We used to do the uh, the Rose Bowl flea market basement comedy uh, basement uh, uh, comic show, and uh, it was so like a flea market. It was a flea market. So it was at the Rose Bowl flea market, but it they was had in their locker room. Yeah, in the Ooh. football locker room. So imagine a bunch of sweaty nerds hawking their uh, you know the garbage in their garages and tables. Um, you know, sitting in a football, like a beautiful, like well air conditioned, like football it's locker well room. Leather yeah. seating, and yeah. then and then us, and then we were was there it fun? too. Was it good? Uh, uh, it was languid. <laughs> it was. You know what? It was. Uh, it was good training. Yes, because it was very cheap was to do wheels. those shows. It was training wheels. It was cheap to do those shows, and then uh, and we learned how to talk to customers. Mm. And yeah, we tested our our skills, our mm-hmm. pitching skills mm-hmm. on random, unsuspecting. Yeah, people you who... you kung fu movie mo- montage like um, <laughs> training montage did exactly. Yes. Someone's like, I was just here to get some vintage chairs. What? What am I here? What is this part of yeah. the show? <laughs> right. and we're like, well, well, no, never mind that. We've got a comedy book you might want. Yeah, right, we make yeah. zines. Zines? Yeah. What are zines? Yeah, no, it's zines. Oh, Check it zines. out. This is great. <laughs> oh man, so the many zines. people, so many older people don't know what zines are, and are and are almost like they're like frightened and confused by the term, like the term. It, it's you might as well be saying like, "Hey, if you want to check out some hollow porn, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hollow porn. What is that? Sounds horrible. I like, prefer my pro- porn two dimensional. <laughs> right. Thank you very much. You know? <laughs> People are just yeah, like my, like I'll dads. stick to my nudie zoetropes if you don't mind. <laughs> what is a zine? <laughs> what is a zine? It's like it's a you know magazine. It's it's not that, but it's not dis. Similar. <laughs> well, your guys' stuff is very high quality too. So I would oh, feel thank like you very much. You're welcome. I would feel <laughs> like the barrier to entry would be lower. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess for us, we just really, you know, we were kind of nerds about paper, and we're we're eager to learn about like how to how to pick a good printer, how to like you know lay things out in a way where it made sense, and so. Yeah, like our first zines were kind of like simple and rough, and then they just kind of got more polished from there. Always looking to improve. I should also say we publish books in addition to zines. Exactly. So sometimes, the, sometimes the terminology gets 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 confusing even it's for true. us. Mm-hmm. But we do. Um, so we do. Uh, we have to take two programs, basically two tracks. <laughs> yeah. um, like a lot of uh, comedy theaters, where you'll have like a main stage, and then you'll have like an alt, you know, an alt room. You know, you'll have like a cool, you know, kooky room. Yeah. Um, 
that we do that with our we have our books which are you know are are well well produced and uh, you know, very polished, and they're generally got you know, spines, spine, you know, things like sold spines. In bookstores everywhere, full that kind color of thing. printing, right. these sorts of things. And then we do zines, and our zines are typically like ten pages with a color cover, but with uh, black and white interior. And we do uh, typical, uh, though we've done different sizes. Uh, we typically do five and a half by eight and a half. Yeah, and. The, the zines are a way to try out weird ideas, to, like, work bring in with... New th- talent. Bring in new talent. Um, and, like, yeah, just, just throw shit at the walls without, like, you know, breaking the bank. Right. right. Yeah. And we've been doing zines since the beginning. Like, Jeffrey did, like, a mini-comic about uh, the Wikipedia War for WrestleMania three. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the attendance. Which I made uh, right here at uh, Meltdown Comics yeah. at the... At, uh, at uh, Jim Higgins Comics Class, which is now not at Meltdown Comics, but <laughs> <Right. laughs> is elsewhere. But look up that guy, Jim Higgins, if you're in Los Angeles and looking to make uh, mini comics. Yeah, he'll teach you. He, he te- he'll teach you. But yeah, the the premise of the kind was called the uh, the war, uh, the Wikipedia Wars battle for WrestleMania <laughs> three attendance, <laughs> and it was a mini comic. I can't draw. It was a mini comic <laughs> um, where I tried to illustrate a a real argument that took place on Wikipedia over the course of a year about the attendance of WrestleMania three. One person insisted it was seventy thousand of people, and another person insisted that it was ninety thousand. And they had a year-long <laughs> argument about it. And, uh, and this so is I, real. This is yeah. a real thing. And yeah. you were the guy who was like, it was 90,000. I cried, yeah, well, <laughs> well, yeah. well, Dave, it's a very complex <laughs> argument. You clearly have skin in the game, Dave, Jeffrey Goldman. Dave Metzer, clearly, t- uh, you know, there is, uh, if you're if you're into this stuff, uh, it is, they have different sources for their data. Gotcha. And, uh, and there, was, there was an ideological difference. Do we trust Vince McMahon to uh, accurately report his own uh, attendance numbers? Who says this? Who says we trust Vince McMahon to do anything? You know, of wrestling fans? Anyway, the, yeah. the point, and then there was an outside, an independent journalist, uh-huh. wrestling journalist, <laughs> one of the great <laughs> journalists, maybe the only journalism left soon. The um, yeah. The, uh, and he was reporting a lower number, a, mm. a seventy thousand uh, attendance, and uh, and they were arguing. But the but the uh, the 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 hall, the uh, the the convention center, the the arena. It took me a while, but I figured out what it where a wrestling <laughs> show takes place. The uh, the arena resided with Vince McMahon, and there was an argument that well, they can't misreport their numbers because of the. It was really, yeah, it, it's a thing. I did this about, what, what was it that I published like that? seven or, yeah. Seven, like seven or eight, eight years, years ago. ago. Yeah, I published that. And that was the first, I think that was the first zine I ever it published. It predated Devastator by like five or six months. Yeah. Yeah. Um, though as a kid, I did the, bo- you know, we all did the booklets, right? Mm-hmm. We do, you do the little, you know. Yeah, you, exactly. You make, make your own little book. Yeah, it's you make, true. Yeah, you make zines as a kid. They're great. I mean, those are so much fun. I used to make comics ones and, you know, little comics treasuries, uh, things like that. Were they that. based on your own characters or yeah. existing yeah. characters? Based on my own characters. Tell me about them characters. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is my favorite shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you came up with, like, original characters. I, I did one, like, children's book 
in fifth or sixth grade that was just a straight up rip off of like my t- all our teachers are aliens that like <laughs> the series and uh, but like we me what? and my friend Zach like tried to draw everything and it was bad Duh. but we were pretty proud of it at the time and then sure, I would make you, like you made a whole thing it's a cool yeah you're like oh feeling shit of like I'm like holding this uh got I got an A. But you know, <laughs> no bigs, no, no bigs, no bigs. Uh, yeah. Miss Fessenden gave me an A. No bigs. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I made like weird proto zines where I wasn't like coming up with characters. I was like writing articles, like because I, I loved ladies' fashion magazines. Yeah, and so I would, like try to make my own version, but they were really like dumb and clearly written by a ten year old. Yeah. <laughs> like here's some advice, uh, <laughs> friendship advice. That's cool. I think my be sister- nice to people. Yeah. <laughs> My sister did something similar. I think she would do fashion magazines. Yeah, I did. I had a, a character called Bimo, who was an alien from the planet Goma, and <laughs> so uh, cute. he's very cute. He has uh, so he, you can imagine him as like there's two eyes, bald, big, bold eyes. Uh, on top of two barber shop poles, basically, and then uh, and then a half <laughs> like a, a, like the swizzly ones, like the swizzly ones. Yeah, that's not a word, but whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know the red yeah. and white. Yeah, barber. yeah, that thing. Yeah, and then a, and then a half circle that was green. That was where his nose, his dot nose, and his smile mouth would amazing. go. Yeah, it's a weird. We actually have like a plaster. Sculpture of Bimo. Yeah, in my grandfather. Well, because I love Bimo, I, yeah. I would do for years. That was I thought I was going to be a cartoonist, and I would draw this. I had this character, and I just drew him all the time. And uh, the the thing the thing where you know that you're not going to be a cartoonist is when you draw all the time. But your art doesn't get better. It's not simplifying <laughs> and co- coalescing. It's right. not coalescing, and part of that is because uh, I have no concept of human anatomy. Like I have <laughs> all you ever drew were, were eyes on top of like barbershop poles. Exactly, yeah. they were kind of like lobster eyes, like the cartoon lobsters' yeah. eyes, where it's like these little Simpson. Yeah. Oh right, like, the eyes themselves were like very bulbousy, like Simpsons eyes. You know. Yeah. Um, but uh, I love drawing, and I, I would draw. There, are, I think a, uh, I think Super Mario Land for Game Boy was a big influence. <laughs> I used to draw a lot of panels that were like, here's a ton of little tiny things happening, right. <laughs> like a little tiny things of like, here's Bimo in like a submarine, and uh oh, like here's like a giant fish about to eat him, but then there's also like a bunch of little fish. But all of it incomprehensible, like completely incomprehensible. But people would be like, "Oh, you have a, what an imagination, you know." Whoa. But little did they know, I was basically copying screens from Super Mario Land. Yay! <laughs> Great game. That's the best thing is like when you're a kid, you can copy shit. Oh yeah, it's that's like what that's kids how do. you learn. That's yeah. what kids do. They copy. They copy. I mean, low key, that's all I ever do. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just in different combos. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I just copy stuff it. from real life. Copy stuff from old TV shows. Take stuff from real life, put it inside of old TV shows. It's fine. No one knows. Yeah, it's oh great. Oh, God, no one knows. You want to know? <laughs> no one, no one, knows. No one knows. You want to know how to be successful in the entertainment business? I'll tell you. <laughs> you do something that's exactly like something that's already popular, but slightly different. A little twist. <laughs> A little bit different. That's what America wants. <laughs> that is what America wants. It's true. Find the hit. And then tweak it. Tweak a hit. You know what? Kevin can wait. Kevin can <laughs> wait. Everyone loved King of Queens. Yeah. Here's, lo- uh, here's, here he is again he, 15 years later. Here he is again. But this time he's 
a roofer? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know he's anything on a about roof. that show. The only thing I know is that he's always on a roof. Yeah. Because I've seen the billboards. So and I... the wife from, from King of Queens isn't in it because she's being hunted down by Scientologists. That's right, all right. I know. That's yeah, true. which is another good show. It's like yeah. Scientology Hunt? I yeah. love okay. that show. Oh, oh my you, god. Where you ride along with the Scientology agents as they track down <laughs> yeah, it's members like of their cult. Yeah, it's scanning great. for thetans yeah. on yeah. doorknobs. Yeah. <laughs> You find out the Zodiac Killer was actually just a Scientologist. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Too far? Too far? Make, all right, no, cool. It makes sense. Cool. It's all, it's all, all coming the, together for me. The puzzle pieces are all combined. Hey. <laughs> um, so you you guys, you said that um, Devastator was started like four or five months after that mini that you made. Yes, yeah. this is true. I was I was preparing to make a second mini. Um a basically like uh if you know one of uh, one of our favorite zines is an old uh old zine called Army Man that was by uh, George Meyer from the Simpsons uh it was he's considered like the voice of the Simpsons and he did a zine a lot of the Army Man z- people who contributed to it were are people who eventually came on board with yeah. the Simpsons like uh, was Al Gina Mike Reese. Yeah, yeah, they all they were all in it. Yeah, they were all there. And uh, it was a mix of black and white mix of uh, comics and comedy little bits, you know, little Jack Handy style, you know, jokes. But mm-hmm. then also like a, you know, weird squiggly comic. And um, I think they called, what was it? Ar- Army Man, America's only magazine. Yeah. <laughs> something like that was, <laughs> the, really was the tag. Slogan. This was 80-something. It was I right before say. The Simpsons started, yeah. He started he started doing it after he left Letterman, I think, is the story. Yeah, it was that weird yeah. zone between Letterman or SNL and, and the, the starting of The Simpsons. So um, so that was – so I was like, oh, you know what? Let's – I wanted to create something like that. <laughs> I think that would be a cool thing to make. Right. Mm-hmm. And then Amanda uh, had an interesting idea, which was – Kickst- uh, which was, hey, what about this Kickstarter? Yeah. This new, brand new website brand called new. Kickstarter. Yeah, it's a French website, Kickstarter. Kickstarter. <laughs> yeah. Kickstarter. Yeah. Yeah. We're going yeah. to make cheese if we get enough money. <laughs> I was working at a really cheese. boring book publisher at the time, uh, Phoenix Books, which is now uh, gone. But uh, they did a lot of like vanity books for like uh, Larry Rob Blagojevich. Yeah, we, Ooh, our biggest yeah. uh, flop... Oh, pretty much ended the publishing company like eight months later was uh, they tried to do the Rob Lagojevich bio and uh, it was called The Governor Ooh. and uh, it super bo- they had to incinerate like a million copies what? <laughs> it was yeah. pretty crazy but like uh, they were like moving into literary stuff and they were doing some interesting stuff there were some comedy books that I was helping out with I got I got to work on like Carl Reiner's reissue books of like Enter Laughing and stuff which was cool but like we it was around the same time and I had a, like enough kind of understanding of like what what we could do if we had just enough resources. And so, yeah, like I learned about Kickstarter. I told Jeffrey about it. And we're like, what if like this was more of like a book that we could fill with all of our friends, all of our comics and comedy friends, and then like maybe pay for full color and, you know, put it out there. Maybe it could be in stores in addition to just like passing it around to friends like Army Man. Um, and yeah, like that's what we ended up doing. And it worked out. 
pretty well. I mean, we, we had a lot to learn, but we uh, we we overfunded on Kickstarter, which was great, and we had some great contributors to that first uh, issue. And uh, yeah, it was like it was an anthology series, mm-hmm. um, and uh, that was in we published in twenty ten. I believe it was May of twenty ten. Yeah, was when we first published a book, and we uh, right here at Meltdown Comics, yeah. we had our launch party. It was uh, pretty rad, which was rad. Yeah, we filled the the, the the store. It was super cool, and that was our focus for a long time. We just did the anthology. For uh, for many years, yeah, for like four years, for like four years or so, yeah, Ugh. and uh, and then what we noticed. So one of the features of the anthology, if you if you uh, if you find one of these old books, so on one side it was a mix of comics and comedy, and then when you flipped it over, there was like a fake out book on the other side. So it would be <laughs> yeah. Uh, these kind of got more elaborate as time went on. <laughs> like we had a lot of fun, like being weird and faking people out. Like oh, is this a real book? And then you flip it over. That, so, for example, uh, one of our books, we did a fantasy collection. So we had all these comedians and cartoonists contributing and drawing parodies of Harry Potter and uh, Lord of the Rings and all sorts of things. Yeah. And then when you flip it over, I had created a parody of Dungeons & Dragons called Wizards of Cockblock Forest. <laughs> and, it's uh, a real game. It's a real game. Everyone <laughs> plays as a wizard, and you have to cockblock each other with magic spells. <laughs> and... Uh, and so we – this was an one of our – one of these books. And so what we noticed over time as we would go to conventions and go to places is that the, the collection of comics and comedy aspect would confuse a lot of people. Like, like, what's going on? What is this? They were looking at like a Rubik's Cube. Like what does this <laughs> – like what does this mean? What do all of these disparate elements, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, become? You know, right. what is it – what am I looking at? But the flip books were very popular and people really liked them. And uh, as an experiment, we released uh, – what we released Wizards of Cockblock Forest as a zine on yeah. its own. And it sold really well. Yeah, it sold like hot cakes. Yeah, it sold like hot cakes. <laughs> and I, I believe... Where did we release it like at Phoenix Comic Con that year? Like 2011, I want to say? 2012? That sounds right. Yeah. And it was uh, it was a hit. Was a uh, <laughs> It was the late night, uh, official late night role-playing game of uh, Comic-Con, of yeah, San same. Diego Comic-Con. <laughs> Um, which is a very funny distinction. It was weird. They'd never done it before. They'd normally <laughs> close the gaming hours at like 10. Mm-hmm. And this was the first like kind of like R-rated game that had been submitted. But the guy who runs the gaming events at San Diego like really liked the idea. So he was like, you know what? We'll clear out the room and then we'll just do this event at like midnight. <laughs> and, and we did. It was crazy. Like there were a lot of tables <laughs> we were, like, showing people how to DM the game. It was That's weird. And so, uh, and so we, from there, and then were some other uh, reverse books which did really well, like "Oh, the Flesh You Will Eat," which is our Dr. Seuss parody. Right. Um, we we did- just interviewed Michael last episode, episode before. Oh, terrific! That's right. well, there's yeah. continuity. Yeah, I like yeah. that. There's continuity between the episodes. Part yeah. two. That was yeah. the first thing he had ever done for us. Was "Oh, the Flesh You Will Eat." That's right. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, and so these things were 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 popular. So we were uh, more and more we were like spinning them off. Like after we ran out of the anthology issues, we would spin them off into their own books. And then we realized like, well, what 
what are we producing this anthology for? <laughs> like, <laughs> clearly what people want are... It was a real the, time suck, too. It, it was a time suck. And, like, but we enjoyed doing it. I mean, they were they were a blast to put together. Very difficult to put together, but they were, like, incredible to put together. It was a true together. bonding experience, too. Yeah. And it let us create, you know, it let us uh, bring all these people together, bring all these comedians you know, in this world together, because it's easy to, to you know, to produce a, a two-page article. It's harder to produce a whole book. But it brought this talent pool together. Yeah. And uh, and in, it was a 20, when was it, when did we do, when did we flip over officially? Was that two years ago? Yeah, it was uh, 2014. In 2014, we started officially putting our focus onto uh, independent, on, on, on one-shot humor books and crazy yeah, zines. standalone, self-contained books and zines. Things. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we haven't looked back ever since. <laughs> and uh, we do 12 titles a year. About half of them, six of them are uh, zines, and six of them are uh, full books. Do you have uh, a segmented release schedule? Like, you every X number of weeks this comes out or every much every month is a new thing yeah so uh if you know you you're following us you'll see that yeah we release the how does that how does that work if you guys um because i know a lot of people that are in our bracket or maybe a little bit above or maybe a little bit below they always say that the best time to release stuff is right before a show because then you have like that boost going into a convention, right. blah, blah, right. blah, blah, blah. How do you guys manage the fiscal side of releasing one thing a month if you guys are only doing 14 shows a year? Or Yeah, that's a good question because that's a problem that like everyone has and we had it for a really long time. It's only recently that we've kind of been able to sustain ourselves this way on the uh, slow l- release tabs. <laughs> uh, and uh, it's partially because of distribution. Um, mm-hmm. Once we got a distributor last year, about a year, just over a year ago, um, we signed up with SCB, which is like a fully independent distributor who partners with the bigger distributors. And they they really like took to our stuff and they've been really big champions and they help us get into stores across the country. So we're now in like... A few hundred stores, whereas before we were hand selling mm-hmm. two stores, um, just like, you know, a couple dozen stores on our own and had to, like, make time to, you know, message them and get them to reorder and stuff. And that was a pain in the butt. And um, and, and there's also Disperse, too, who's yeah, our zine distributor. Say, yeah. yeah. And uh, they're they're relatively new to us. And uh, they've been they've been really cool. And yeah, I encourage folks out there if you're if you if you uh, make if zines if you make zines, I encourage you to get in touch with Disperse because they're looking for more uh, zines to distribute, and they yeah. they distribute to like cool hip shops, you know those hip mm-hmm. shops, the record stores, right, hip, the, the, the hip shops, the, the hip vinyl shops, toys yeah, stores. vinyl right. toys records, right, exactly, mm-hmm. yeah, the that, cool places, yeah, that are now starting to get uh, zines in uh, in their those stores, exactly. So. Uh, so they're really rad. So like that's a huge part of it. Online. Uh, sales is a part of it too. I think every month, you know, we get a decent amount of online sales uh, coming through. But a huge part of uh, our kind of strengthening our outreach to our readers is the Skull and Book Society, which is uh, a monthly subscription um, where every month you get the new thing that comes out. And uh, you get that every month until you cancel. And it's $10 a month. And you, in addition to getting a book, a zine, whatever, 
for this flat fee of $10 a month, you get this unlimited access to an online portal where you could download all the PDFs. You can listen to an exclusive podcast that we put on every month with the authors of the whatever's coming out. And yeah, it's just a lot of fun. And we also like send like little random gifts in the mail with with our books and zines. So like that, in addition to having a, like a traditional distributor and going to conventions and still sustaining like individual online sales on the publisher website, like all of it kind of pushed, you know, we push all the crumbs together mm-hmm. into a sandwich, Delicious as Jeffrey likes crumbs. to say. <laughs> Delicious sandwich. Yeah. Comedy sandwich. Yeah. Yay. And it's only in the past year that we've been able to like figure out that combo. I mean, before that's exactly what we were doing. It was like, all right, we had a devastator anthology book come out in the spring when a bunch of cons were happening and then we had a devastating anthology book coming out in the fall when a bunch of cons were happening and in between we'd maybe do some like weird side projects or whatever but that was it um and yeah once we started making new books we were like well we have to find you know we like it kind of necessitated the the like extra revenue streams yeah i mean that's something that's super frustrating just even for me as a consumer not even just as a creator but like as a (laughs) consumer when you go into Stores like vinyl toy stores or comic stores or, you know, the the random skate shop that has like a weird little (laughs) thing in the corner where it's like there's four skate magazines and then there's like a random weirdo mini comic by some guy that's a friend of one of the clerks. Exactly. Always. Yeah. Like that's it's so hard to find stuff that's not made and manicured and distributed by a larger company. It's true. Yeah. Well, they (laughs) what the. The larger companies do is uh, they find the, the the independents that are doing well that have gotten on their radar, and then they buy them. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, that's, and then and then they're no longer independent. Right. <laughs> or even just like the fact that uh, you know, like it's impossible to buy things that aren't Marvel or DC through yeah. Diamond. Yeah, like, Diamond sucks. They're terrible. Yeah, we've yeah. had no, we've never had good luck with Diamond. Even now, they're like they are shitty. They they don't play well with other distributors. Here's so here's if, here's the thing about Diamond. Yeah, Diamond. Uh, first of all, Diamond is a monopoly. Right. So they have no impetus. Thank to change. God. Thank, is someone right. other than me saying Diamond's a monopoly? Yeah. Oh, a lot of people would. I would hope. I, I, yeah, because it's sure very are. true. I I yeah, but yeah. I feel like I'm the one that always says Diamond's a monopoly. Fuck Diamond. In right. the direct market, there's no question. And Diamond has sells a specific product. Right. Di- Diamond's uh, consumer main consumer is uh, you know the the comic book guy style right. of comic book store. Mm-hmm. That is their main. Cur- I mean, we've we've talked with representatives there, and we've explained. I mean, we our books do really well in comic book stores. They do not the kind that. The comic, like the comic book guy store, but like at Meltdown Comics, our favorite at Quimby's, right. at you know at Jim Hanley's Floating Universe, Worlds. at Floating World. Yeah, our books move, you know. So like, there's no reason why Diamond couldn't take advantage of that. They sell to those stores, but that's not their their main customer. They consider their main customer to be you know every you know geek shop in you know the in across the country so they have to say okay yeah. if if this isn't marvel or dc will this look enough like that will this feel enough like that 
so that the the those owners will feel comfortable taking a risk putting that on their shelves as well. Right. I mean, so and that's, also that's the their, comics, that's their business model. You right. Know? And there's no returns. Where in books, there there are returns. Retailers can return their books anytime right. back to the distributor or back to the publisher. Uh, however, it worked um, in comics. That's not really the case. Right. So like. Yeah, like you were saying, like Diamond will prefer the like the hole in the wall Androids Dungeon style store that will buy both the new releases and the variant covers and the new T-shirts, but also buy a ton of the posters and put them up, and right. will like be willing to pay for J. Michael Straczynski to come in for a thing. It's you know that's yeah. that's and that's their, their thing, and you know all more power to you know all power to them. But um, not I th- really. They they're terrible. Well, they're terrible. But they but it's a, but look, that's it's a, a business. It's that's a, space a business that exists and that's it works for what it's doing. But it it's, we, have, we, we have to. We this is uh, you know this is a, a business. It's a business, and uh, you know we've got it. We we have to show companies like Diamond or start new comp distribution company or right. whatever that like there is a market for. What we cool want weird shit for cool weird shit, yeah, and that we want it, and that we'll pay for it, you know. And when when people realize that, when some genius is like, "Hey, if I put all these, you know, crazy comic book stores together and like form a distribution network for them, like I can, you know, I can make some money because right. because there's a whole segment of." Creators that Diamond is leaving out, you know, is leaving out that there's money that there is money to be made there. Yeah, but you know, people have to. Someone has to see it, and also someone has to do it. And God it's knows, true. I don't want to do it. And it's really hard. That's hard work. Oh, it's so hard. I've got to make twelve titles a year. It's very difficult. Yeah. And also, I just don't know if the types of books that we're talking about cater to that audience. Like, if we could have a model where, and this is a bad example because I think these are more mainstream chains. But if there was a distributor that could get zines in Walmart, Target, and you know, yeah, they wouldn't sell. They wouldn't sell. No. But. Something would sell there, and that would prove to Diamond, like, fuck you, Diamond. There's now an alternative to, like, mostly just to have books that are discoverable by people that aren't going to go into a comic book store. Yeah, and there are these, like, secret hits that happen crazily, and nobody knows about them. Like, for example, our good friend Zachary Auburn is the creator of the How to Teach Your Cat About Gun Safety zines, and there's, like, four of them, and they're all insanely we're, popular. We're producing a book. We're publishing uh, his next book yeah. uh, in our upcoming slate, so and we're like, excited about that. And, like, that, those zines, he sold tens of thousands of copies of those zines. Yeah. And, like, nobody really knows about it other than those indie bookstores who were the champions of these zines and spread word, by word of mouth. If there was a corporate champion for these years ago when they first came out people probably would have made a lot more money yeah or um, just the fact that like homestuck is the biggest right. web comic in the history of the internet it's right. insane and yet there is not a homestuck book in this giant fuck off comic book store that we're in right now yeah and i bet you if you talk to every single person in this store none of them have read homestuck including me yeah, yeah. i haven't read it but i like, tried but we it doesn't it. make any sense to me it doesn't well, make sense again it's like if you know the, <laughs> we're we're too old <laughs> we're too old look i'm too old for homestuck i recognize that i also gave it a shot um it, you know again it's like you know how does uh, there in this in this crazy mixed up world we live in? There's going to be a lot of different business models. I mean, right. look, as somebody who is like an avid like zinester, 
now who has like built up a following for themselves, I tell them to have a Patreon. Like if you have they will enough be better re- off on their own. Yeah, if you have enough readers, enough people who and you can produce zines on on regularly, like you'll probably make a lot more money like with a Patreon than you would uh through any you know, through any other means because um you know, if pe- there are again there it it reaches you know, it reaches audience that you wouldn't normally have you know we we have a friend. Uh, we have a, a friend, Asterios Kokonos, who wrote one of the zines we brought with us today. He's a dope ass name, by the way. He's yeah. got a great name, Asterios Kokonos. You remember it? Yeah. yeah. You always remember it. In Greek, it means literally star red. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Yeah. <laughs> his his comedy is nuts. It's crazy. He's off. He is uh, on a whole other level, right? And so, Weird. like, it's. I don't know that, uh, you know, I hope for him, that for his sake, that, uh, you know, someone, you know, that, that someone gives him a television show or whatever the, the marks of success, you know, the, the marks of success that you can show your parents, hey, I am a success at this. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he's got a Patreon where over 300 people donate to him, you know, pay him every month. They, they, they get for it's his like comedy. It's like a year's salary now. Yeah. He's like, make, he, make, he makes enough to, like, to, in theory, if you wanted to, live off a of Patreon. Like... There, there was an audience for his crazy stuff, but he had to find it directly. He had right. to find those people on to, the internet on via the internet. podcasts, via weird online writing mm-hmm. on forums. Then, mm-hmm. yeah, and he created it, and now it's his. Now it's his thing, you know. Yeah. So I the mean, the thing that concerns thing. me about that, though, is that those direct audiences are very fickle. You they know? can be. It's you know, true. people can turn on you off of one tweet. You know, it happens. Yeah, I, I mean, mean it, that's the it, nature of the internet now. It really, yeah. really is. Yeah. Like everything is so black and white. Everything is knee jerk. And not that I'm saying that you know we should stick up for somebody who did something shitty. <laughs> but I'm, I'm just saying, like the internet. I feel like the internet is anti Hollywood. You can you can literally murder someone in Hollywood and they don't care, <laughs> which is terrifying. Yeah. Well, because it's, it's the, the money. Mob. Yeah. Because the money. Right. Yeah. The money is what's important. Right. You know. Yeah. Um. Yeah, look, there's there are downsides to every medium of distribution. Oh, absolutely, absolutely you know, absolutely. Yeah. there's there's no perfect uh, there's no perfect way. Right, but we definitely have a crazy hybrid where it's like, how sustainable is this to like have to do so many different things to make it work? But um, you know, we've done it for just long enough that we feel like we're kind of hitting a rhythm. You yeah. know, we're getting we're getting things from different places. We still have to do conventions. We probably will for like another few years. Yeah. You know, until the bubble bursts. Oh, it's yeah. coming too. Yeah. yeah. Well, we we uh, I don't know if you did you see the news that uh, Amazing. Amazing Arizona yeah, yeah cut two of their shows. Yeah, mm-hmm. we 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 went to Amazing Arizona. Did you do that one? No, this oh, was a couple yeah. of years ago. A couple of years ago, we did it because we did so well. We we generally do very well at Phoenix Comic Con. Right. So we were like, oh, okay, well, there's a market here. Maybe we should do go. Arizona twice a year, and uh, nope. no, that it was, was like night and day. It was like night and day. It was the same. The funny thing is, it took place at the it's the same convention center. You know, it's uh, but it's like a third of the size, and in in terms of floor that's used, and then maybe like an eighth of the size in terms of attendance. Right. Yeah. So it so you know, and they you know, it's someone from The Walking Dead would be was there. You know, that was a big guest, and it. You know, but they have that guest every year, and at a certain point, everyone who needed their Walking Dead thing signed by the people 
who are part of it, like Kirkman and the people from the show, will have all those signatures. Yeah. And there won't be any more things to buy. And it'll be done. You know? And it's like, well, what's the next thing? What is the next what's thing? What's the point of this convention? Why is this here? Right. The, you know, what what is what will this do for the community? You know? Right. The, uh, yeah, I think in any you know, in any business venture or any art venture, for that matter, niche is important. I mm-hmm. think niche is really yeah. important. What are what's your mission? Yeah. What are you doing? What What are you doing that's different from other people? And for for Zinsters, a lot of it is like it's point of view. It's personal. Very it's personal. personal. Who is the the uh, the mini comics artist who I like who draws? Uh, please, will you have sex with me? Oh, Gina Winbrand. Gina Winbrand. I love her so much. She's, she, this is a good example. This is a voice that I don't feel like was very... I don't, did not see comics like Gina. I don't know if you're familiar Mm-mm. with her work. Um, she does... A, she, there's a book of a book collecting her mini comics has just been released. Yeah, By 2D Cloud. By yeah. 2D Cloud. And she's just very inventive and, and very funny. And she has a very strong personality. She's... I would describe her as maybe this is oversimplifying, but sort of like a Melissa McCarthy of like the young indie comic scene. Mm. You know, if I was like a exp- punk, punk Sailor Mo- Moon loving, yeah, Melissa McCarthy. Yeah. She, yeah, she, uh, you know, she's in. She's like a twenty something, but she like obsesses over like Justin Bieber and stuff like that, and it's really gross. The um, <laughs> yeah, and and it's just it's really cool because like oh, I'm this is somebody who has a unique and different personality and voice and is saying something different. It's presenting us with something that's different and that stands out, you know. So that's, you know, we we try to stand out too, doing something, you know, with The Devastator, making uh, humor books and comedy zines and the kinds of stuff that we like that we just don't see anybody else doing, you know, Mm -hmm. the kind of like an adult swim of of the the publishing world, you know. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, and I think that's, uh, I think that's important. Because yeah. there's a lot out there. That's the thing. You go to it's these conventions. Much. Yeah, I mean, you get you just get lost in it. You know, the um, there is a lot out there, but there's also like eighty percent of it is like people tracing stills from Batman Begins. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no question. And that's on the opposite end of the plagiarism is yeah. on the exact opposite end of what I'm talking about. Right. right. <laughs> Dovetailing off of uh, what you guys are talking about in terms of you know building a a personal brand that has equity and an individual voice, do you guys as individuals worry about being, I don't know, in the age of weird internet bullshit, lambasted for some random tweet or Facebook post or being perceived oh, as a shitty person online? That's a good question. I I mean, we're both pretty chill online. Like, I think because we're doing the creative and the administrative and the marketing and all the stuff for like everything that we're doing and we're only two people there's only like so much time we have to like tweet so like I think we each tweet like a couple times a day and we'll just like retweet funny things our friends have said or we'll like say something that might be funny or moment or in like you know pertinent at the time and it's never like we're not like sharing big ideas so right. and I feel like as long as we avoid doing that we won't step in some shit like I'm not gonna like make a big statement about global warming yeah. and be like that's fine. <laughs> you right. know, um, 
Yeah, like sometimes, sometimes we you know say things that are political, but it's always like here's something, here's something constructive, here's something we can do, or here's just something that's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, gave... I always worry about it, but I don't know. We don't consider ourselves as like public personas, really. The yeah, we're not famous enough for that. Where yeah. that's a problem. But the thing, the thing though <laughs> that... is that this scene is so small. It is. Right. It's so fucking small that yeah. in like five minutes, yeah. you could be. I maybe. feel like I'm sure there's a zine fest where we maybe like turned someone off and maybe they were telling their friends that they don't like us. <laughs> That's possible. Sure. I, but Who like, knows? I don't know. We try to be very nice. <laughs> yeah, just try to be cool and, you know, we do our do our best work and, yeah. you know, I mean, people our, don't respond to it. They, they don't respond yeah. to it. And whatever. I think like also just in terms of the community, our MO is to be supportive, sure. you know, and like that's, true of like people who maybe like people who are part of the group and who have authored things people who used to you know submit to the anthology series but maybe haven't had a book yet people who want to like be a part of the devastator but haven't yet like you know we we support their outside projects and we like kind of cheer people on we have parties and hangouts and (laughs) you know i think uh got four couples that have yeah. spawned from the Devastators so hey. far. And they're all still together. Two of them are married. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Um, good, good track yeah, record. Pretty good track record. So, I, I you know, our, our, our goals, yeah, I know, oh God. <laughs> someone's signing. Someone's married. Someone's yeah. being Come served on, it's not the end of 2016 right yet. I know. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> what else could happen? Um, I don't know. We try our best to be supportive and create, like, a positive community because there's a lot of like comedy cliques in LA that are really toxic right? and so we just try to be friends <laughs> yeah. try to be like nice to each other mm-hmm. I you know I like I feel like we've always been kind of one one hand in the zine community one hand in the comics community one foot in the comedy you know comedy like, world comedy world one of, foot like, in, our nose in publishing in, 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 and... you know in publishing yeah. and like I never feel like we're truly accepted by any one group we're kind of a part of all of them and it's like, you know, it's... It's like how I was in high school. Yeah, it, it, yeah me too, actually. Yeah, <laughs> so, we did it. Yeah. <laughs> we managed to repeat high school, but in our professional Yay, life. so we're still normal Again, humans. forever, until I die. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. So, yeah, I, yeah so I guess, yeah, I think that's an answer to your question. We, like, yeah, just no, try to be is. nice. No, but, yeah. uh, but also Black Mirror. Black Mirror. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I, wait, I am waiting for the cruel irony. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Something, something's going to happen. The other shoe's going to drop. Don't worry. I'll have to fuck a pig soon. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll stand by you. <laughs> Thank <Stoic>. you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'll be the good wife, but for fucking a pig. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wish they had spun that guy his life off into a, his own, like an Alan Partridge like sitcom. Right. This is his like, life he's, after. He's the politician who had to fuck a pig. And now he had he's to tr- move back to his hometown. <laughs> right. Now he's trying to make a second life in a pig's chance. I don't know. <laughs> Didn't pig they? Isn't his name David Cameron? Oh man, so gross (laughs) How many pig fucking zines are there? Like, Do you think there were a bunch in in England? Oh, I hope so I gotta get get on eBay It's just like like images of like little pigs like nuzzling against David Cameron's face That is kind (laughs) of cute (laughs) Um, Do you guys have day jobs now? Or are you like full time 
devastator ish. Yeah, ish. Like, you know, we're like 90% full time devastator, and the rest is like a bunch of freelance gigs. Mm -hmm. Like, we'll we'll do writing jobs, copywriting, um, scripting for things. I was just going to say, you were writing a podcast thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I was uh, on the writing staff for a podcast for a new network called Wondery. And it's like a workplace sitcom that's coming out later this year called I Hate My Boss. Um, I'm not sure when the air date is, but we already the, the episodes are written and they're starting to record. Um, and then Jeffrey and I uh, just uh, sold a podcast to Earwolf. Uh, but it's a it's a Howl exclusive show. Uh, Don't say par- more than that. Yeah, it's, Don't it's, say more than it's that. It's a goof. Yeah, it's a goofy show. Yeah. We're going to – we got to hold off. We got to be – And like we just – yeah, yeah, that just happened. So yeah, we want to be. We, I don't. I still think it could be jinxed. In if some there's way. some, it's still 2016. <laughs> still 2016. Things could sour. <laughs> the um, I do some. Uh, I do some writing outside. I I do. Um, I write comics. Right. I, this year, I wrote for Disney Princess Comics for Joe Books, uh, and Sesame Street Comics for what was Ape Entertainment. Right. Like, I think it's question a, mark. Question yeah. mark. Question mark. And then, um, and I also wrote the official uh, mobile game for Now You See Me Too. <laughs> yes. So, so if you want to know if you have what it takes to join the I, the great uh, secret magic society from the film Now You See Me and also its sequel, Now You See Me Too, uh, go on Facebook Type in "Now You See Me" game, and you'll you play it. Yeah. And you play it in a chat window on Facebook. Yeah, it's fun. It was like a choose your own adventure that you play in a chat window on Facebook. It's very, <laughs> it's, it's, a cra- it's a crazy thing. Yeah, I wrote it with uh, with uh, Lynn Donahue, who is a <laughs> who uh, was the photographer for our uh, our infamous uh, animal zines, our cats, like the cats you never learned about in history class. And dogs, colon, history's greatest monsters. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Lynn's great. She's really funny. She wrote for the Devastator Anthology series a bunch. Very funny. Um, So yeah, some freelancing. All the freelancing. Just Lancers. Lancing loose and free. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Do you guys... Uh, I know for me personally, things outside of comics, I don't give a fuck about being <laughs> in any way canonical or a body of work where it's just like, that's what I do to pay bills. Like, right. I've written infomercials. I've written Absolutely. so much bullshit. Sure. But for some reason, in comics or zines, I'm a little bit more precious about that, where I'm like, there's part of me that's like, maybe I'll have to write for Marvel or DC one day. Because that's what you have to do to make a living in comics, which is something I want to do. But right. also, I kind of don't like the fact that I have to write for them at some point. Right, you resent Duh. that. Yeah. Um, is that something you guys think about in terms of like manicuring a body of work? Or Well, I, my, here's my – this is my take on that. <laughs> Until you're successful – you get to do whatever. And yeah, like, and yeah, like, there'll be some thing that's like, oh, well, he wrote, needs to write for this. Like, he had to write this, yeah. you know. But until you've, like, until you have, like, made a name for yourself and you have, like, a reputation and stuff, like, I feel like you just do, like, just do yeah, it. Yeah, any opportunity, right. fuck whatever. Yeah, yeah you shouldn't, it. Like, Why the fuck not, you know? You shouldn't restrict yourself before you get the, like, because, you know, I kind of, like, I'm kind of worried about the day where, like, we're held to a certain, like, standard or set of, like, 
you know, topics or, or you know, formats or whatever. People expect from you. Like, people right. just project their bullshit onto you at a certain point if they mm-hmm. know you well. And, like, then, you know, you don't get to, like, be as playful. That's why, like, so many, like, musicians and filmmakers get super samey after a while. Like, Tim Burton's movies right. get worse and worse. Because they're <laughs> just like, oh, this is a Tim Burton movie. I know what this is going to be. I don't need to see it. It's going to be yeah. a bunch of... T- eye-gouging CG <laughs> mad adders screaming at you. Ghastly pale white people. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Did that do well, Mrs. Mrs. Pimple Dimple and the highway of the school of gifted worstbondgirl.org backslash I don't want to see this movie backslash why isn't this the X-Men? Yeah, exactly. It's like another Inhumans. Like, why is this keep keep yeah, happening i just want a good x-men movie <laughs> yeah no i don't know if it did well i didn't see it yeah. for, for the exact same reason that you said where i was like i it's a tim burton movie it's yeah. not the x-men i know exactly what that is yeah right i'm good i think you know and it's funny because like there's like i also i don't want to like like tim burton has like a signature style and i love that like i love it when a director like you can you can tell when you're watching a movie who the director is like, I I don't think that there's a problem with that, like, Wes Anderson. Like, people are like, ooh, Wes Anderson. You know, it's like, no, I mean, he's, like, a he great a filmmaker. Style, like, and he is he, challenging himself with each movie. So that's, I think that's the thing. I think that's the, the issue that you brought bring up uh, so eloquently, which is that, like, when you stop, like, challenging yourself and taking risks. Like, it's one thing to, like, have a set style, like a visual aesthetic and, like, themes that you come back to. Yeah. But it's it's another thing where you're making the same move, you know, the same yeah. project over and over and over again. Yeah, you want to be I, at least in my world. I always want to be be challenging myself to come up with some crazy new thing. Like, what's the Which what's the next the, thing? What's the next crazy thing we're gonna you know we're absolutely. gonna do? Yeah, right. Which is the crazy thing about being a writer is that as you get older. There are going to be less and less solutions mm-hmm. because you've already used certain solutions, so you can't use those again because then you fall into that trap of it's the same fucking thing you did last time, right. Alan. It's true. And, and there's the other. He's there's made that, so many oh, movies. God. And there are, Crazy number and, of movies. part of me loves movies. that too, though. Yeah, I mean, I'm not know. the guy. I don't watch his movies because of the things that aren't associated with the movies. Right. But I love the fact of being 80 fucking years old and being like, we're making a movie this year. Never quitting. For, right. for every year. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, you that have to a, respect that tenacity. An Olympic, um, uh, Olympic talent. I mean, I, I think there's definitely that type of creator where, like, they're just such a workaholic. It's like if they don't have a project to look forward to, they'll just die. Right. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> like Don Rickles is never going to die as long as he keeps performing. Yeah, yeah real. Yeah. Or Ridley Scott. Yeah. Regardless of how fucking racist and shitty they are. Right. He's like, I got to make another one. Give me another cigar. <laughs> All of my brothers are dead. I hate life. I need to make another movie. <laughs> Fuck it. Yeah, I've got to push away my reality. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, you bring up an interesting point, like the privilege that comes with getting to a certain notoriety. Like Ridley Scott's a great like example of someone who goes the wrong direction when they get to a certain level of like establishment uh, you know and and you stop seeing the point of view of people who are not like you or like just no longer being an outsider like you're just so stuck in an insular you know community or mode of thinking and you just 
you can't push yourself anymore because you're just like, well, you know, it's like the it's like the Jerry Seinfelds of the world who are just like PC culture is right. garbage and it's making comedy worse. Like, no, it's making comedy better because people are better people now than they were when they were in the 80s and it's making also, comedy. And it's also challenging comedians to come up with different types of material. Exactly. Like, and also Being like more prom- truthful. And also like prompting uh, different voices to come forward and, and be part of the comedy community. Right. Which I think is, uh, is absolutely crucial, uh, you know, for any art form that you, you have to bring different people in to give and different types of people with yeah. different point of views to reinterpret the genre and reinterpret, you know, bring their own meaning and their own the own their own personal experience and taste into it and infuse it with something new and cool. Yeah. I mean that's that is a great thing about zines is that like they're easy to make and because of that you can get a lot of different types of people can make them and you can and consequently you know, there are zines from all walks of life, all different types of people, you know. Sure, like when we think of zine, you know, we think of a zinester. Like there's probably like an image that, that you might have in your head. But like right. in truth, like over the years, over that the past. That image changes with, by the decade, you know, change- whatever's, whatever's mm-hmm. altered cool at the time, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, just go to his, I mean, you know, go to LA Zine Fest or whatever. Like you'll see like It's lo- the most diverse show you'll go to. Absolutely, you yeah. know. It's it's I I would say it's a lot more diverse than a lot of uh, comic book conventions that we go to in terms of who's behind the table and and what kinds of things they're they're showing and that's what makes them so exciting to me you know I absolutely agree I was at uh, I'm a big Power Ranger fan hey I, Power Ranger <laughs> did you go to Power <laughs> Rangers Con Power Morphicon that's what the story is oh great so I went to Power Morphicon this year it's awesome. uh, it's every other year so because I think the fan base isn't big enough to really support an every year con <laughs> that makes sense uh, so and I'm not only am I a Power Rangers fan but I'm like the extra nerd that like I got into Power Rangers again as an adult through the Japanese show terrific so I'm like a really hardcore you, fucking nerd you know your shit yeah, yeah yeah I, yeah. I there are things I am as big a fan of. Sure, yeah. Continue. I'm assuming it's wrestling. <laughs> there, uh, actually, no. Although I, I do like wrestling. I watch it. Uh, we watch it weekly. But yeah, uh, I would say uh, theme parks is more my really. Uh, yeah, the that Muppets. word. The, yeah, I also the Muppets. Mega Man. There's a number of things I know a little too much about, probably, but and uh, geek out we'll, over. We should, we'll put a pin in this because I worked on a theme park ride. Um, oh which shit! Did, which we can talk about in a yeah, second. Yeah, we gotta talk oh, about that. Uh, yeah. Better talk about it. <laughs> um, which makes sense now because I think at t- Tucson last time we, you were talking to somebody. I was like walking by and I could like hear you talking about like Disney park stuff to somebody. I wrote a book. I, I released a book this year called Dream It Screw It. Uh, it's 30 years of rejected Disney attraction ideas by Dip Disney, Walt's a drunk, <laughs> dumb cousin. So it's a whole book so of crazy. rejected uh, ideas too dumb for Disneyland, like the Haunted Mansons and the Hindenburg Sky Resort. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, yes. so, so uh, yeah, it was it was uh, a year's worth of work, but a lifetime of research uh, <laughs> yeah. went into making a very goofy, uh, yeah. very silly book. Yeah, a lot of insight Goofy jokes. pun intended uh, yeah. on that. Uh, but no, so, so Power Rangers Con. Right, so I went to Power Morphicon Con this Power last year. Power Morphicon. <laughs> and so I'm a, a huge uh, tokusatsu nerd, and going to this convention, I went... Two years ago, um, and I I hadn't done as many cons 
two years ago as I've done now. Obviously, <laughs> we've done like 30 shows this year, as we just said earlier. Right. And also, I, maybe I'm just more plugged into the culture of comics and zines and just nerd stuff, maybe. I don't feel like that's true, but whatever. <laughs> it was a jarring experience for the only reason that it felt like a show, Power Morphicon this year in 2016, felt like a show that I went to in, like, 2005. Like, it was all white dudes, and I mean this in the most loving <laughs> way <Right>. possible. <laughs> but it's it like was, you went back in time. It was, it was all man-children. And right. I, I love Power Rangers. Uh, there's no irony there. <laughs> I love that shit. Um, I don't think I'm as arrested as some of the demographics that enjoy the show. And it was shocking to me because I remember what going to con- – it was like weird flashback of like, I remember what this was like when I went to my first show when I was like 12. Right. Holy shit. It was a sea of white dudes. Yep. Right. And if there was one girl there, she got mobbed. Yeah. Yep. She this was is the girl. insane. She was the Pink Ranger. Yeah, 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 yeah. Amy Jo Johnson was the only female in the fucking convention. Shit, what a nightmare. <laughs> and, but, I, but it gave me this wonderful sense of perspective of that um, even though I think there's – numerous problems with the industry right now. Like, it's terrible. There's, specifically, the convention scene is super sexist and terrible and treats women like shit. And I see it firsthand tabling with a woman. Mm -hmm. Um, It's so much better than it used to be. And that's something (laughs) I kind of need to tell myself every once in a while. Right. Things have gotten better, and they're continuing to get better. Incremental progress. Yeah. Yeah. Keep keep punching through. Like, I really hope that in the next ten years, like, right now the industry feels like what comics and everything was in, like, 1986. You know, everybody says in 86 was, like, the golden year. It's when Mouse, Watchmen, and Dark Knight came out. Eh, It was the greatest year in comics ever. Howard Chankin's American flag. Right. Um, but it was also like one of the lowest years in terms of sales of comics. And right now is the same thing. Nobody buys shit. Right. Nobody makes money off of their art. It's terrible, except for these key that, discussions that we're having of how do you circumvent existing distribution models. And- right. Well, well, even if you – the funny thing is like even if you are successful at making comics, you probably still aren't making a living at it's it. It's true. Right. No, like, absolutely. Which, is, which says a lot uh, yeah, about no, the absolutely. state of the industry. I mean yeah. I, I would love it. I would like to see some publisher, some comics publisher, like, completely change, like, the distribution. Like, just in terms of, like, just rethinking, like, floppies in such a way that, like, their creators could make money. Right. You know what I mean? Like, because people have this set expectation. I'm going to pay, you know, three two ninety nine or whatever for this, like glossy full color 32 page thing that thing that is very expensive to produce right and like when you raise it to like 399 there's people a revolt are, there's like a revolt there's articles written like will this publisher survive the three dollars and 99 cents so like so to me as much as i like in you know as much as i like like and 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 you know the floppy like I feel like you have to find different. I agree. Models. You have to change the business for the times. Like saying, like we're always going to do it this way, and we're always going to pay people the same amount, no matter what the <laughs> wages are. You know, right. that's that leads to consequences. You know, it leads to consequences. It, it leads to a, only a very small group of people being able to afford to make comics. You know, and yeah. you know that change. You know that, yeah. and that leads to. Uh, it also leads to. 
uh, executives not taking risks on new things because if your if your business is so tight, if you don't have the room to uh, you know, to, if you don't have the budget to make you know to try things, then you'll you'll just fall back on what you know works. Well, it's just an echo chamber. If, yeah. you know, if you only had one type of person in in comics, like. How is the, how is how are any of those people going to recognize that something made by someone who's not like them is any good? Right, is of any value. <laughs> um, and I feel like, and this is in by no way means far enough, but I feel like this discussion is finally being had by people yeah. at a larger level. Yeah. Like yeah, I was listening to a Todd McFarlane interview from like <laughs> seven or eight years ago, good. which is not, okay. One great. I Funny. have a soft spot for the guy. I love Todd McFarlane. Did I, he tell you how to draw? Spawn. Oh, I love those videos so much. I need to know how to draw Spawn. Uh, his me. cape. He's got a crazy cape. Oh, his You're live gonna drawing, love his cape. His live drawing videos are so funny. I love his them so much. His powers run out. What hell happened when the clock runs out on his powers? He's got to go back to hell. I love He's it. the Spawn. Oh, it's so good. He's uh, the Spawn. This is, this is how you draw the Hulk. He's got a big head. Uh, here's your uh, uh, Well, yeah, Canadian. Yeah. Circle, yeah, tiny circle for the head. It's great. <laughs> you draw the lines in the circle. But I'm just saying, like, right. that's a dude who's in a very concrete position of power right. who yep. is a definitive gatekeeper. Like, if Absolutely. he likes something, he could be like, hey, you can have a book at Image, period. Right. right. So, I was listening to an interview with him from, you know, not that long ago, but still a considerable amount of time, eight, seven years ago. Sure. And he was saying the most ass-backwards shit of, like, women don't read comics, they don't like comics, it's a male right. art form. It's so crazy. It's insane to me, and right. I... Meanwhile, like, I mean, I was, like, in the back room at the department store I of worked at in college reading fucking The Filth by Grant Morrison. Yeah, of course. It's just like, come on, you assholes. And not Why am I invisible to you? And not only that, but, like, it, it's more than... It was more... At that time... There was a huge manga boom, which was entire, yes. which was Entirely which for some women. reason didn't count. Right, like even right now, like the top ten, you know, best-selling comics, uh, Attack on Titan isn't counted in that. It doesn't make any. Like, sense. Why are we not doing outreach to all those thirteen-year-old kids who are just fucking devouring that shit and handing them Akira or mm-hmm. fucking whatever? But anyway, you got the, me. The, the point yeah. of the point of my bringing up Todd McFarlane's we weird, make goof it, books. <laughs> We couldn't. We can't touch the Akira license. No, That's very expensive. No, no thanks. Anyway, Tom McFarland, but you, but creator was... of the Spawn. <laughs> he brought us Spawn. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, like that dude eight years ago. Everyone on the podcast was like, yeah, no, they don't. Yeah, yeah. Whereas now, that's not something you can say, period. Right. It's just not factually accurate, and everyone accepts that. Right. At least Even though can- it wasn't accurate then, the people maybe weren't as visible. Or everyone they came as in- out. Sure, I don't know what the... What- well, then the line becomes, uh, well, I don't want uh, politics in... Com- I don't want politics what in comics. What the fuck is that shit? I don't want... Yes. Comics were literally, like, mainstream superhero <laughs> comics were created to respond to political trends. And problems, it's like and the, wars. The first comic, crazy. Like the first, like huge comic. Like, well, not the first, but one of the the best known comics of all time is Captain America punching Hitler in the face. Like, what like, the fuck is that? Like, if that isn't if that isn't a political statement, then like, what you know, what yeah. is you know? Yeah. No, again. Comics should challenge us. Yeah, comics should, and there's we no should... money on the line, so they should be able to do that, except yeah. you can't pay people, so there's money on the line. So it's this weird, like, yeah. you don't need $100 million, you just need to be fucking crazy. Well, right. here's, <laughs> well, here's the thing, and this is why, you know, 
uh, <laughs> our model is the best model. <laughs> but here's the thing, right? Okay, if I'm I'm running uh, I'm running Marvel Comics, right? Hooray! I'm Wait, but the is best. It, but is it ma I, like M A H V E L L? Marvelous comic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've got a number of great heroes. Yeah. Captain Central America. <laughs> the bulk. <laughs> and Thor, because that's a legend. You can't yeah. copyright the yeah. idea of Thor. Yeah. Anyway, um, I'm running a, 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 one, a big two comic book company whose major source of income is licensing revenue for the – that's the thing. It's like the, the, the Marvel Comics is the entity that like makes the money – from using, you know, super, you know, from Superman. I'm, I'm real up on my, on my yeah. mainstream kind of using Spider-Man or any of these heroes, you know, yeah. in your underoos and your right. things. So there is that money coming in. So regard. So the way I would see it is, is okay, if we've got this, like, by the way, like licensing is like the most profits. Like there's the more, like you can't. Come up with a more profitable business than licensing. You, you, as long as you have created that thing, the expense you put in is creating the thing. Once you've created it and it's a hit, you just wait you for do, the dump trunks of money to show up. Wait for the money to show coming. up. It's just free. It's it's basically free money. Yeah, you have to pay a lawyer to figure out the contract. But like once you do that, money, 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 money. Every year you make underoos. We make <laughs> yeah. we make millions yeah, of dollars. New toys, right? New toys. We make millions of dollars. So so why not use the comics to experiment? Like, why not? Like, right. It's a loss leader for everything else. It's a loss leader. And why not fucking pay those people when their drawing gets sold on a goddamn T-shirt? Right. Yeah. That would be. Exactly. That, that would be great. It's because a fraction. You, because then you have, uh, then you, you are encouraging people with the market to be innovative. You are telling people, you know, not like. Hey, you know, come up, crap out whatever you can manage to with the money that we're going to give you. You're saying, well, we think you are valuable enough as a creator to pay you what you deserve to make. And when we succeed as a company, you're going to succeed. You know, with with Devastator, look, we're a very small shop. So, um, so you know, we we're not like we're not going to write you, you know, the biggest, uh, you know, the biggest check in the world, you know, as as a company. But there's not a bunch of money in zines. I've I, been misled. I know, right? <laughs> but here's what we do that is different than other publishing companies. So, a lot of publishing companies, their mo- the you know the model is well, we're going to give you a big check up front, right? And we're also going to give you quote unquote royalties. But we uh, never expect the sales to ever get to a point where you earn out the royalties and start making mm-hmm. checks again. Right. Exactly. Know? So it's so it's so, so the the royalties are sort of a red herring. Yeah. Right. Like those royalties are such a, such a high bar that you'll never achieve them. Mm-hmm. Right. So we have a different philosophy. It says, well, we are going to pay you up front, and we are going to give you a small amount of money up front because we think you deserved it because time, for your for- time. It's not. It's not crazy it's not huge but you know also our books are short so whatever you know right. <laughs> but what we what we say is that money doesn't go against your royalties right it's just yours it is your money it's not so in other words it's not an advance you're That's not the borrowing word. from the royalties exactly yeah. an advance is borrowing from future royalties we don't pay advance we pay a fee we pay a fee for your work here you go you did this work 
Thank yeah. you. And then from and then, book sale number one, from book sale number one, you get your percentage. Yeah. Right, you get royalties. So if this book succeeds, if it does well, you have a vested interest in getting as far as you can in book sales, so that you get those royalties, baby. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But our success is your success. Right. You know that's that's what I feel like it should be. That's yeah. the but that we're is we're in the, it together. We're in this together. It's yeah. a it's a business part you know, it's a business proposition. If I if I'm, you know, even at the smallest level, even at a zine level, you know, it's like, okay, like we are, you know, going working together on this. We yeah. are paying for the production and the talent. You are investing your time. We came together, we made a ten page zine now it's going to sell and you know if you if you do a good job of getting the word out there and we it sells well at conventions and we do good we we all do good work congratulations you will get you'll get money you know you will you yeah, will you get receive a little bit of money and you will receive check you will receive checks yeah, you know as long as it stays in print and like cuz we're partners yeah if you're if you're of the mindset that you're uh, that you have employees who you know? Who are minions? minions. Do yeah, exactly. Right. Who are just whose job is to fart out content <laughs> for a, right. for a check? You're going to get a very different result than somebody who feels like they're a partner in their success. Mm-hmm. Well, that's how we feel. I no, yeah. I agree. I think uh, the problem with that business model is that it's been abused so much. Not yeah. the not the paying upfront thing because people don't do that. But in, right. In comics or even just in weird publishing ventures, right. so right. so often people are like, "We're partners. See, we've got your back. We've got your right. your, right. your well, best interest with a knife at somebody's back." And it's like, right. "You can totally look at our books. See, look, right. Uh, right. look, look." <laughs> well, yeah, there's a lot know, of that. Look, I, I, and in prose publishing, that's a lot. There's a lot of that too. Like in just absolutely. you know, people who write fantasy novels or write you know nonfiction books. They'll get suckered by like a hybrid publisher who's like, "Yeah, you're gonna pay for the fees to make the book." And yeah. then we're gonna right. help you get it into Ingram. And it's like, well, you can get your book in Ingram. Yeah, anybody can anybody do that. can do that. Literally, right. anybody can get their book in Ingram's catalog. Right. Uh, it's Ingram a matter of how a... much money you have to get better placement in the catalog. That's another right. question. But like, a lot of people tend to get suckered because the you know they're so hungry for the legitimacy of like being in print. Yeah. Well, you got to yeah. choose your partners wisely. Yeah. I mean, that's I mean, that's been like the last year. Is Nicole and I have turned down two separate contracts, and we have another contract right now that we're kind of like weirdly sitting on because mm. it's like, what is the right move? You know, right. Right? what is the you won't be Siegel and Schuster move? Right. Like, and not that I think that I'm going to fucking create Superman. I'm not being big headed about it. I'm just saying, like, no, it's just about fairness. It's about fairness, and you never know. And well, I think there's a couple of ways that you can evaluate a a small press publisher and see, you know, to to determine if there's they're worth working with. You know, one thing would be, um, you know, your contract. You know, look at Is the terms negotiable? of your contract. Right? Is it? You know, would look at the terms of your contract. Like, do they seem? Do they seem fair? You know. Do when you show them to a lawyer, forever? does the lawyer laugh at you know? Does the lawyer <laughs> laugh in your face? Well, it's comics, so yes, yes. every contract yes. is somebody will laugh in your face. Absolutely, um, <laughs> you know. Do they do they market their books? I mean, I I can't tell you the number of authors we've talked to over the years who who got who got published by a big publishing house. Yeah, like a big five publisher. A big five publisher. They got. Uh, they went through a heartache. You know the the heartaches of you know their their editor didn't didn't wanted this and they wanted this. They they fought. They had to fight for this. They had to fight for that. 
They get through the, you know, they get through, they get their advance. It's a nice advance, lovely advance. Mm-hmm. The book comes out, and there's no support for it. Why? Because they have a thousand other titles that they're releasing yeah, it's that a spring. Factory. Five hundred of which are licensed properties that they want to make money off of more because then there's fucking whatever involved in right. working with Hasbro or whatever. Right. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Or it's a franchise that they're starting or, or it's a celebrity's or it's a celebrity. book and they, they think, oh, the celebrity's gonna tweet about their book, so we should be putting, putting our more. Fuck we try news. we t- you know, every we do a book every month and the reason for that is because we give a spotlight. We put a spotlight on that that, that release every month. So at the very least, like you know, we've all given ourselves the time to focus on the one thing that's out. Yeah. yeah, we're saying this is the new thing. Let's celebrate the new thing. Let's show the you know. Let's talk right. about this. We we have some. We made some cool things. We've got you you know the author on some podcasts. You know we're to, we're talking about this thing now. Right. And then we move to the next thing. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, there's so you know there there's there are so are you going to get the attention? You know, right. on the flip side of that, you know, you have a place that you know they want a, a small press or whatever that says like, well, we want you to pay these fees in order to be published by us, which makes you wonder like, well, are they like picky? Like, are they actually going to like invest in and market your book? Do they right. care about your book or do they just care about those fees that they're asking for from the authors? Right. You and know? in that case, it's like you have to decide, you know, is this a, just a service they're providing me or are they a partner in my success? Exactly. Right. Um, yeah. So it's like depending on the book or zine or whatever or comic you're making, you have to kind of make those decisions. Well, especially now that like it's so culturally in vogue to say – it's a creator-owned book, mm-hmm. except <laughs> yeah. so many companies do the bullshit Watchmen thing, which if people don't know, Watchmen was supposed to be a creator-owned book. It was a book that was supposed to be owned by Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons. There's a, at this point, was a completely innocent flaw in the contract that when the book went out of print, mm-hmm. it would re- the rights would revert to them. Yeah. But before that, DC owned it just for legalities of distributing the book. So now... They own the Watchmen because it's never gone out of print because it's the highest selling comic of all time. And, you know, that's actually like a clause in a lot of contracts. Um, um, We, like, you know, we were really, like, careful about the out of print thing. You know, in our case, you know, the creator owns the copyright to their work. Um, and we reserve the right to print it, and then you know there's other kind of rights that we kind of retain to keep to keep it in the views of you know mm-hmm. promoting it and marketing it, and like you know sometimes we need to use the content to you know to do that. Um, but yeah, like there are a lot of big companies that they just want to own every bit of it because you know just for insurance, just in case. I mean, even now, like a th- thanks to digital stuff, which is in one way a godsend because yeah. it lets people get their stuff out. But on the flip side, like there's a publishing company that a bunch of my friends have books at, and they didn't really necessarily think this through, but the digital. It never goes out of print digitally. Right. So That's the company true. owns ugh. the fucking book in perpetuity, period. Right. That's ugh, what a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's awful. A, it's a black mirror. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, there's – I was going to say something. I forgot what it is. Oh, in comedy, there's – that's a big problem um, – for for people who make videos, who write comedy, you know, articles and pieces, where like a lot of these websites just own what you've written for them forever. Um, you know, we have a few folks who work at BuzzFeed or have or used to make content for BuzzFeed, and they own everything you do. And if you're hired by them, 
you can't there's like non competes all the way down. You can't right. you can't even take an interview at another content creating company. It's not well, very artist friendly. It's not an artist friendly contract and you know, and that's true with a lot of online outlets. A lot of our friends who make comedy, it's like, you know, if they're a, a, a an employee for some website for a while, eventually they quit because they're like, well, I want to, like, move on and, you know, I want to write some stuff that they won't own. Yeah, it's even like the the Disney thing. Like, if you're a concept artist for Disney, while you're employed there, I mean, there are different tiers of contracts, but Mm -hmm. the base tier is while you're employed there, they own everything you draw. Yeah. Which is... It's terrifying. Insane. Yeah, it is crazy. Like, you do some weird little sketch and you're thinking, like, oh, maybe I'll make a mini comic out of that. Nope, you can't, because fucking Disney owns that shit. Yeah. Like, what? That is, uh, and then that's, that's where you have to say, like... Am I going to negotiate on this? You know, am I going to yeah. negotiate on these terms? You yeah, know? Right. and like, what's my what's my? I'm willing to work at Target, or right. I'm willing to have my potential Donald Duck character just taken by Disney. Right. You know, what's the? Where's your line? And I think that line's different for everybody, and there's no necessarily wrong answer. Yeah. But oof. <laughs> yeah, it was painful. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we we try we try to be chill <laughs> while being fiscally and legally responsible. <laughs> well, I hope that Devastator becomes a global brand and you guys can fuck shit up. Oh yeah, let's fuck some shit up. That'd be great. Let's do it. Let's, <laughs> let's start. Let's do it. Let's get started. Zine. One zine at a time. One zine at a time. <laughs> That's the motto. That's the old expression that they had in, in the publishing. One scene at a time. Scene yeah. at a time, boy. One scene at a time. Uh, Bites nickel. <laughs> Puts it into nickel drawer. Uh, do you guys have any tips or tricks for people who do conventions or who are trying to learn how to do that? Oh, man. Uh, yeah, conventions, I'd say if you've never done a convention in your life, you've never tabled anywhere, start at, like, a baby thing, like a local event that's free or super cheap to table at and just t- test, you know, yeah. like practice. Don't expect to make money the first couple times. Just do like the lamest, littlest things and just practice. Yeah. Learn how you how to pitch to people. You know, don't make the stakes so high for yourself. Right. Yeah, that you like. Well, I bought a I bought a twenty thousand dollar table at Emerald City. Comic I got Man. a bunch of television screens to show right. panels yeah. of my comics. <laughs> <laughs> the when you're first starting out, it's tricky because you only have one book usually or one right. thing. Mm-hmm. We were there. Um, we only had one thing on the table. So in those instances, I think it's good to share. It's good to split a table with uh, with other people who yeah. have stuff so that you have a full. Table because the people it's like looking at a full table. It's more attractive. Um, you know, as we get as we grow and our our library grows, our sales do too. And it's just because like there's more options. There's more options. If people like a table full of books, yeah. um, the uh, the other thing I would say is you know learn how to pitch your project or who you are, what you do in a sentence. 
in a short sentence. There oh, yeah. is uh, a lot of uh, yeah, and I think people are more savvy about this now. I think people have gotten more exhibitors have gotten more savvy. But if you're just <laughs> starting out, you know, there's a temptation to be like, oh, there's finally somebody at my table. I'm gonna talk I'm to them gonna, for an hour. Yeah, I'm gonna talk to them for an hour about my world of unicorns. Uni- right. They're <laughs> unicorn orcs. <laughs> right. They live in the valley of doom. Yeah, let but- <laughs> me tell you more about the conditions of the middle school. I was, you know, <laughs> my friends that like kind of inspired me to come up with this character <laughs> ten years ago. Just give you the whole story. You uh, if I my rule is typically the longer that they're at your table, the less likely they are to purchase something. Yeah, there's like a so. there's like this perfect amount of time. It's about like three to five minutes. I think so. And then once it's beyond five minutes try to cut bait. Like, right. try your best to get rid of them. This is probably, if your goal here is to get a, is to get a sale, yeah. you're, it's probably not going Unless to happen. Unless they're just like a great conversation and hey. you're just having a fun, yeah. sweet time no, and there's nobody else around, go, go on. Continue go talking about stuff. But right. usually you want to keep moving. Otherwise, you know, every few minutes that pass that you're not talking to a new customer, you're you're further further behind from your goal because there's only like a small window of the day where there's like a lot of sales happening. Yeah. And the rest of it, you're just kind of sitting there, getting ready, maybe having a sandwich, you know? <laughs> yeah. The You know, I'll tell you about this, because I, I was just thinking about, like, you want to talk to people who you think will be relevant, you know, to, to who you think will be want to purchase your books or want to read them. Well, typically, you know, when you're first starting out, I think there's a temptation to be like, you know... It comes out of my booth, you know. Hey, do you like sci-fi or whatever? You know, oh, like to try to worst. grab. Hey, you like sci-fi? Yeah, <laughs> I, we still hear that at conventions. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you do too. It's oh, yeah. insane. Yeah, like come on, guys. The, no one likes this. Well, we do, you know. So, so we've done, you know, we've done our share of barking in the past. People don't like it. Um, Typically, what we'll do is we've got the books on the table, and we wait for people to come. If they they hesitate, they start looking at something, they point at something, show their friend. You're like, oh, come on in. Go ahead and open it up. Go ahead and look inside. Go ahead and flip through our funny books. Right. And then and then those you know some there will be some who will say you know oh, no I'm okay. just looking I'm not interested and there's some who will are legitimately like, are oh, interested great I can and look then, inside awesome yeah. and then I can start to talk with them yeah. about what the book is because they've shown interest yeah like I I'm not you know trying to push them over here to doing my you know trying to grab them over I let them you know let them come to us let the fish come to you isn't that right. a thing I've never fished before in my life but I, I feel that, like that's we'll, a thing we'll, we'll say it is we'll yeah. say a thing like yeah. you let don't, the nerds come to you yeah let the nerds come to you you know yeah. well there's energy you know like you put you know if you put too much out there you're repelling people right. like I mean I've, I've walked down an aisle and the, if someone may have some cool shit but if they start yelling at me and I'm three feet out I'm not gonna stop right you know because I'm just like oh this is weird what's happening <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So we just try to try to be let them come to you, and then then engage, figure out what they're into, explain what each thing is as they're picking it up. You know, be a nice yeah. person, be funny, be, be kind. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, and see what happens. You know, and uh, you know, again, having that niche, I think, is really important. If you are the the you know the one hundredth person who draws Deadpool, like. You know, you're you are you are in this category of people who draw Deadpool, and yep. yeah. that is that you may be really good at drawing Deadpool, but you are a Deadpool guy. Right. <laughs> you, know, you know, that's what that's what you are. But if you're the person who, like, I mean, God, these days with the crafts, it's just incredible. Oh like God. what people come up with, like. 
you know, the, the, you know, if you create something that looks cool, that is distinct, that is your own, if you have a booth presence that feels distinct and, yeah. and feels like you, you know, that goes a long way. People are attracted to, to that. Uh, yeah, to authenticity. And yeah. To, like, original, you know, stuff and just pretty stuff. If you've, if you've got, like, an idea, an aesthetic that you want to put together and make a cohesive table with a nice backdrop and tie everything together, people notice that and it looks like, oh, this looks like its own little store. Let me walk in. Yeah. yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Some of the, I mean, there's some amazing people uh, who just come who, like, like, literally do that, like, build, like, a little storefront shag. Yeah, oh, my like God, our I friends, uh, Monkey Minion Press, they mm-hmm. do that, or or Steam Crow, or who's the one who creates the, in the artist's alley, but she creates, like, a... Uh, uh, the Center for Extracurricular Activities. I forgot her name, but she's amazing. Oh, yeah. Her stuff is awesome. Oh, I, buy, fr- I buy her pencil cases and her like oh her like patches and stuff. Our friend uh, cartoonist uh, Shingen Kor, who worked on uh, to Dream It Screw It, uh, she you know she yeah she has these amazing monster figurines that She's, she hand, hand sculpts hand sculpts and they look like nothing you see before and people are you know I I when uh, you sometimes we'll go we'll go to conventions and we'll go around and we'll like scout we'll look for people we'll look for new artists or or new zinesters or people who we'd want to work with. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that that stuff attracts us. You know, that's that's how we, we yeah. discovered Jing because her table looked like nothing else. It was else. like and our first ape or something. Yeah, yeah, twenty ten or whatever. Rest in peace, ape. Rest in yeah, peace. Yeah, oh boy, that show. Oh yeah, boy, poor little out for the former ape. Did you yeah. uh, did you do that one? I did that one this year, and it's probably the last mm, time I'm going to do it. Yeah, I think I'm literally the only person in the entire convention that made money. Oh, like shit. we did well, but it, it was. By hook or by crook. Oh like, yeah, it was. It looks pretty bleak brutal. from the Brutal. Oh, there are brutal shows. There are brutal shows. There, <laughs> there, there. Boy, nothing. It's like there's a real high that comes from doing a really good show, right? Where you've connected with people, where you people are coming back to your table saying how people much are they reciprocating the energy your book, that you're you putting know. out. Yeah, there's there's that feeling of like, oh, I'm I'm like making a difference here. I'm like doing something. And then there's the shows where there's no one in your aisle, oh, where God. you spend hours and hours just waiting and hoping that someone's going to come by. And then by the time someone does come by. They're just like, you know, give it a passing glance and they're on their way, you know, and they're on their way. And it's just like, what am I? It just feels like the worst or I mean, the worst. And they kind also of show. feel bad. The attendees also feel bad when yeah. that's happening. Yeah, it's true. Because they realize that there's a desperation in the air right. and they feel guilty that they can't individually buy something from everybody. Right. So that's they're just true. like, I can't buy something from everyone. So and buy- everyone's looking at me because I'm in the aisle. So I'm going <laughs> to buy nothing. That's <laughs> true. That's what happens. But the worst shows are the ones where your stuff is, like, clearly, like, not a match for the show. And right. so, like, you are... Like, a great example for us was uh, Salt Lake City Comic Con, um, where, every, you know, it's a bunch oh, of... It, we went we went thinking that it was, like, going to be, like, the hip, geeky, like, programmers of of, of Salt Lake, you know, because they've got a lot of, of that industry. They had there. a lot of money, yeah. A software industry there, like Adobe and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what we were expecting. 
And, you know, it was just, it was Mormon families. Ooh. And our the st- poorest families. Who, A, don't have a lot of money to spend. Because they have they're a million kids. Those, right, because yeah. they're taking care of those children. And that, B, only buy things that are, uh, quote-unquote, Mormon-friendly. So when somebody right. asks you, uh, is the presidential dicker book Mormon-friendly? Like, oh, you, you, you know, it's like, you know, you could say it is. Have but a I'd, great day. Right, right, exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly, you know. And so then you're getting person after person, you know, it feels like it's like a lot of rejection. And yeah. then it's and just then the like, people who do like your stuff and aren't worried about it being Mormon friendly just don't have money because they spent their last $12 on bad nachos. And right. you're just like, God damn it. Right. Exactly. And then it just feels like, well, what is the point of doing any of this? Yeah. This is the worst thing I've ever done. Yeah. The, and, the, then you the, conti- and then you continue. The straw that breaks my back every time is the. Um, Hey, you want to check out my comic? Oh, no, I don't read comics. Uh-huh. Why are you yeah. here? Yeah. We've gotten we. Oh, I, do, I don't read. I don't read is That's the, the thing. one like, that we I sometimes I'm get. I'm not a reader. Which, yeah. is like the, which is really sad, It's a weird I feel thing to like. say to someone. I mean, it's honest, it makes, I guess. It but, is honest, but, but it's, it's weird but, to admit. It's just like a sad thing. Like, you don't read? Like, there's a whole, like, world of amazing stuff. Like, do I have to I have to sell you on reading? Like, the concept I can't, of reading? I can't possibly sell you on how great reading is. It's wonderful. <laughs> like, it is, a, it is like a wonderful experience. No 3D... You know, Google Glass bullshit technology will ever compare with, like, how absorbed you get when you're reading a really good book. It's true. It's just not going to happen, folks. I don't know, man. Those hollow porns. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Those hollow porns. Only Jamaican air horns now. That's the only thing that matters. <laughs> There's your pit podcast, the Jamaican air horn show. <laughs> it's just a it's, it's a show where like after like every statement, like there's a <laughs> it's like, welcome to the best show in the universe, the Jamaican air horn show. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a new episode with, with I don't know. It's just my a bunch of horns in different microphones. With a, my pretty cool co-workers. <laughs> <laughs> They're cool. We all have a fo- fantasy football league. We're doing okay. <laughs> <laughs> It's a great show. It's a great show. <laughs> it's a great show. Yeah, so that was our little mini pilot for the Air Horn the Air Show. Horn. Yeah. The Air Horn, Jamaican the Air Horn, Air Horn Show. Yeah. Colin, the greatest podcast in the universe. <laughs> I love Soon it. Soon to be on Gimlet. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's coming. It's coming. I love Blue, it. Alex Bloomberg, call me. <laughs> also, Todd McFarland, call me. Hey, Toddsy. Toddsy. The creator of The Spawn. He did it. He, he made the spawn. He made spawn. Nobody could say he didn't. No one can take that away from no him. No one can take away that move. There was a spawn movie. Animated <laughs> HBO show. HBO yes. series, which Image, I watched. Image I watched fucking it. comics, which is the greatest godsend to ever happen in the comic book industry. Yeah. Yep. They published. Um, they, the best there's publisher. A, there's yeah. a lot of spawn comics out there, folks. Fuck yeah. You probably wonder how long would it take you to read all of, all of the spawn comics? I tried at one point. Great. I bought... Volumes two, three, and four of the like crazy fuck off like thirty comics per collection like Ugh. pristine thing that they did because they and were how, in, like five dollar bins. And how many years of I spawn? Didn't uh, I didn't get through them. How, how much? How far did you get? I got. I got. 
to the point where Angel Medina started drawing it, and then I was like, I don't like this. Don't this is this too anymore. weird. This is not good. I'm yeah. just trying to factor. I'm trying. This is like a how many licks does it take to the get to the center? <laughs> of it? So now I'm like trying to think like, well, if maybe he spent a month, you know, maybe he spent uh, you know like two a, months or three like a, months. You, you'd start reading one, and then you would be like, wow, there's a lot of caption boxes on this page. <laughs> wow, it's a splash page with a bunch of captions. All right. I don't read half the captions. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay, Spawn's angry. This guy's on that Spawn. Homeless guy. Homeless guy. Spawn. Spawn. That lady right. with the bikini. Wanda. Okay, right. turn the page. Oh, it's another splash page. Bunch of caption boxes. All right, Sam and Twitch. <laughs> Violator. Clown. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Turn the page. Oh, it's three panels. Uh, Spawn's in a room. He's angry. Turn the page. Evil I don't clown murders <laughs> the homeless yeah. man. All Got right. it. All right. Got it. Got it. Yeah, it's yeah. like half a Homestuck, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh shit, Homestuck is Homest- even crazier. It's if you want, it's gotta be longer than Spawn. I hope someone can like email it's us. Like, and like, there's tell gotta us. be a graph to the, the amount of Homestuck compared to the amount of Spawn that's been produced. Yeah, Ooh, I really amazing. need to know. Yeah, I would love to know comparatively how many hours it takes to get through Homestuck versus how many hours it would take to get through Spawn. All right, let us know. Let us know. So stupid. Yay, we did it. We devolved the art form. Where can people find you, lovely humans, on the internet? Uh, let's see. Uh, on the Twitter, you can find uh, the Devastator at Get Devastated. You can find myself, Amanda Meadows, at Amandonium. Amanda, as if it were an element. Um, and Jeffrey. I'm on Twitter at Jeffrey Golden, G E O F F R E Y. Golden, like the color. And uh, you can find me on iTunes. I host a, another show for the Meltdown Network called Two Packs, T W O Packs. We open up packs of weird retro trading cards with comedians. So we've opened uh, we've opened Dinosaurs Attack, uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation cards, U.S. of Alf cards, yes, mm. Alf in every state. Oh, and I'm sorry, Dave. I oh, I was on the episode where we opened Power Rangers cards, and you just clowned it. I, I just clowned, just clowned it. it. I just fucking clowned it. I'm <laughs> so sorry. Shit. I will give you some of the the ones that are just oh, hanging out on the table if I you love want it. them. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Those cards were not good. <laughs> they were bad. <laughs> they had weird. They had this thing where the, they were very hard to figure out how the trivia on the back worked. Right. The trivia didn't make any sense. The trivia didn't make and any sense. And they were sense. all about the state of Texas. Yeah. Oh, for some it. reason. I some reason it. the answer was always Texas. <laughs> it was very weird. It I was very. This. It was very strange. And uh, you can get Devastator zines uh, at your local cool bookstore, Devastator Books and Zines. Uh, like Meltdown Comics and other places across the country, you can all you can buy our books on Amazon, uh, and you can get all of everything we do at uh, DevastatorPress.com. Yep, and we'll sh- we'll ship them to you. It's the two of us. Yeah, it's the us. Two- if you get a book in the mail from our website, I probably close that envelope. That's right. <laughs> and Jeffrey and like put a label on it. I wrote I chicken scratched your the address. So <laughs> <laughs> that was me. Uh, if the handwriting is good on the label. It's Amanda. If the handwriting is bad, it's me. That's, <laughs> That's how you know. I love it. Devastated uh, tips. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can be found on the internet at uh, my website, heydavebaker.com, or on Shermstagram at xdavebakerx. Um, yeah, all right. Yay. Friends, we did it. Friends. Zing, 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 zing.